Before we start this week's episode, please be advised that this episode does contain content that may be alarming to some listeners. The episode contains discussions of previous traumatic events and sexual abuse. So listener's discretion is advised. guys welcome to episode 21 of the self-love effect podcast i'm your host desiree toppings now with me this week i have a very special guest um, a survivor a wife a mom a public speaker she is an enthusiast for health and wellness self-acceptance self-love and really um, teaching other women to overcome their personal traumas. So with me today, and with me today, I have Cara Robinson Chamberlain, and she is a survivor at 15 uh, from a kidnapping from a serial killer. So I'm so intrigued by your story. Um, I'm so inspired by you on a daily basis. Your IG account is filled with motivation and just so transparent. And so I thank you for being just vulnerable and helping other women um, get through hardships in life, but also by inspiring them every single day to be the best version of themselves. We need more women like you. And I think that that's what changes the world. Um, So welcome to the Self-Love Effect podcast. And I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I have to say, like, ditto to you because you are out there like being vulnerable, doing the hard work, and you inspire me every day too. So it's it's a good team to be a part of. This like vulnerable, like, let's just be who we are, come as we are, and like build each other up. Right. Yeah. Like it's just it's an amazing thing to be a part of. And I'm so happy to see that uh, social media especially is like trending that way these days. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, there's room for all of us, all of us to shine and just, you know, build our platforms and just really come together and really collab with one another. So I'm so glad that funny story, when you had messaged me about doing something together, I was like collaboration. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, because I'm so inspired by you. And really, I can't wait for others to as they're listening to hear about your journey and what got you to this place that you're in right now. Um, so before we start on all that, I do want, I do want you to do the repeat after me this week. Um, so whenever you're ready, we'll close our eyes and whatever you have on your heart, share with us and we'll repeat it with you. So, all right, let's just take a second and close our eyes. And I want to start with a couple of deep breaths. This is going to be a good parasympathetic breath that will just reset your body into that good rest and digest. So we're going to breathe in for a count of five, and then we're going to breathe out for a count of eight first. So let's just start with that. And we're going to go in one, two, three, four, five, and out two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight. And now just repeat after me. I want you to say, I am who I am. And that's perfect. I am important and I have a mission. It may not look like someone else's, but it's my mission. And I am worthy of every single step in my journey. All right. I really love that. Thank you. Thank you for doing it this week and taking over. I really appreciate that. Um, So take us back, take us back to the kidnapping or wherever really you want to start on your journey. Yeah. So when, when I was growing up, um, I'm an only child, so I didn't have brothers or sisters. So I formed friendships that were like sibling friendships. So when I was 15 years old, my best friend at the time, her name was Heather and we were just kind of always together. So it was summer. I was at her house. We were hanging out. We were trying to decide, you know, kind of having a slow, lazy summer day, trying to decide what we were going to do that day. And we had a friend that had a house on the lake and we called her, decided we were going to go out there. And so Heather called her mom and said, you know, asked if there was anything that we needed to do before we left the house for the day, anything specific that she needed. And she just asked us to water the plants. And so Heather needed to take a shower and she asked if I would water the plants for her. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I headed outside and I'm out there watering the plants. I'm in, you know, like whatever I'd slept in shirt and it's like some uh, cheerleading shorts, you know, like Mm -hmm. little Sophie shorts and, um, and watering the plants. And she lived in a, like a a pretty suburban area and, you know, houses pretty close together. And so I'm in the front yard watering plants and a car drives by and I'm 15. So, um, it's a car that I was like, Oh yeah, I would like to have one of those cars. Right. So it's like a, it's a Trans Am. And, um, I was like, Oh yeah, cool car. Like, that'd be so cool to have that as my car. So it's on the way out of the neighborhood. And so I had noticed it and then I go back to watering the plants and then the car comes back in the neighborhood and pulls into the driveway. Um, a couple weeks prior to this, Heather's mom had someone randomly do the same thing, uh, like drove by and saw her outside and then turned around and came back. And it ended up being someone that she went to high school with. So I had just heard this story. So I was like, oh, maybe this is like that was in my mind. So I didn't really think anything about this car had left and now it's coming back. Um, so I kind of expected something like that. Uh, the guy gets out of the car and he walks over to me and he's not like a creepy, scary looking guys, very normal looking, um, mm. like white guy, middle-aged, <laughs> um, like a little bit of like a beard, but like manicured, um, had on like a button down and jeans, just a normalish looking guy. Um, and he comes over to me and he kind of stays like a distance away from me. And he said, Hey, I'm out here and I've, I've been distributing these pamphlets. Um, and I saw you out here. So I wanted to stop and, and give them to your parents. And he said, are your parents home? I said, well, this isn't my house. This is my friend's house. And he said, okay, well, what about her parents Are her parents home? And I was like, no, they're, her mom's not home right now. 
And he was like, okay, well, I'll just give them to you and you can just leave them inside for her whenever she gets home. I was like, okay. So he's on the left. Well, we are kind of facing this way. So he's like, <clears throat> he's kind of in front of me and he comes in to hand me the pamphlets kind of with his left hand. And obviously he kind of had to enter my personal space at that point. So he comes to hand me the pamphlets with one hand and with his other hand, he put a gun to the right side of my neck and told me that if I screamed that he would shoot me and that, that I was going to come with him. He just said, you're going to come with me now. And um, so I followed him. He walked over to the driver's side of his car and opened the driver's side door and put the seat forward. And he said, get in. I looked in the back of the car and there was like a big plastic container in there. And I was like, where am I supposed to go? And he said, get in the container. So, yeah, I was, I was like a hundred pounds, you know, 105 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> and so I got in the container. Um, and he, you know, like, like put the lid kind of on top and started driving away. And um, so pretty much immediately I knew what his intentions were mm -hmm. and I knew that people, I, I had a kind of a, I had an intuition about it. Uh, this is one of my first experiences with uh, like really listening to your intuition. And yeah. I was like, I know what this guy wants and I know that he wants me to be scared. And I also know that I'm going to have to escape. Like this is going to be my, I'm going to have to be the one that gets myself out of the situation. So um, as he's driving, I'm trying to pay attention to like the turns that he's taking and like trying to figure out where he's at because I knew I was going to escape at some point. I just, again, had that intuition, like not everyone can be on guard hours a day. At some point he's going to have to sleep and I'm going to get out. So from, from the beginning, I was praying nonstop. I was trying to gather information about him and where I was. And I was planning my escape from like the first second. Um, so I was, I started memorizing the serial number on the inside of the container, just anything I, any information I could gather. So we're driving and I felt him merge onto the interstate. And at that point I realized like, I'm not going to be able to tell where we are. I don't know what direction. Right. So it's like, I'm going to have to rely on, other things, other bits of my intuition. Um, so he drove for a couple of minutes, like maybe 10 minutes and pulled over, uh, get, like got off the interstate, pulled over to the side of the road. He opened the container and he told me he was going to um, put handcuffs on and leg restraints. And he put a gag in my mouth and, um, and that he didn't really say anything to me. And he just like, and then he put the lid back on and then drove for a couple more minutes and, um, he said, I'm going to get out of the car and then I'm going to come back in a minute and you can't make a noise. You can't do anything else. Um, so I could hear kind of, you know, it's that whole sensory deprivation. Mm -hmm. My sight was taken away. And so I could hear things. I could hear just like the sounds of people outside of the car. Um, just, you know, like cars moving around, things like right. that. And so I, for some reason was like, Oh, we're at a gas station. He's going to rob a gas station and then he's going to like leave the state. That's kind of like what was going through my mind at this mm -hmm. time. Um, but little did I know he actually had pulled up to his apartment complex. And so he got out and I would assume went and opened the front door 
and then came back and opened the car door and carried the container inside it um, a short ways. And then he set it down and drug it. I could feel it drag over the concrete, over the threshold of a door, and then into his, what I later found out was his apartment. Um, and I was there, he held me there for 18 hours. Um, yeah, and he sexually assaulted me multiple times while I was there, uh, made me watch the news to see if, quote, anyone missed me. Um, he told me, you know, he was gathering facts about me the entire time I was there, um, asking me questions, but I was also doing the same thing. I was on a fact-finding mission of my own. So I was, while he would be asking me questions, I was carrying on conversation with him and um, I'm a very strong individual. So Mm -hmm. I knew that he wanted me to be scared and that he wanted me to cry. And so I kind of just shut that down in my brain, um, which had some pretty long lasting effects that we will, I'm sure hit on. Um, But I shut down those emotions in my brain and I just tried to remain as calm as possible and, you know, found out information about him. Like he was in the Navy. Um, I read the magnets on his refrigerator, you know, during the time that I was there that I knew who his doctor was and his dentist and, um, you know, doing things like trying to read his bills. I I couldn't, but trying to figure out who this person was, because I was like, I'm going to escape. Like he's going to let his guard down at some point. And that's when I'm going to escape. So, um, I was there while he called his wife. I found out later he called his wife at one point and um, she was in Disney world and I had a panic attack when he um, called her because he put me back in the container and put the lid on it. And I was like, I can't breathe. Um, So that was like one of the times that I kind of lost it. And um, he came in and he gave me a Valium at that time and uh, had me smoke marijuana with him. And so eventually, you know, at the end of the night, um, I passed out. I like, I was 15. Like I said, I was tiny yeah. and he gave me like an adult man size, uh, dose of Valium, which I had never taken before, obviously. Um, so I fell asleep. He restrained me to the bed before I fell asleep. Um, I was in a pair, I think I was, I don't even know if I had on underwear, honestly, but I was in like his t-shirt Um, And I had handcuffs on that were tied to the bed and a leg restraint on one of my legs that was tied to the bed. Um, I woke up like in the wee morning hours before the sun was even fully up and he was in the bed next to me and he was asleep. Um, And I knew I was like, this is the time there had been other times while I was there when I was like, Oh, maybe I could get that gun or I could get that knife because he always had a weapon within reach. Um, I was like, maybe I can get that and I can escape. And then I was like, like, I'm, I'm a tiny woman. Like he's an, a grown man. I'm not going to be able to do that. So, so I realized when I woke up in, in the morning and he was asleep, that this was going to be my chance to escape. So I reached up with my fingers and tried to, there was a, one of those quick links. That's like a screw type carabiner um, around the handcuffs. And that was tied to the bed. And so I tried to unscrew that to get the handcuffs off and I couldn't do it with my fingers. I actually had to use my teeth to, to unscrew that and then was able to kind of slide the handcuffs out and then shimmied my hands down the bed to my leg where my leg was restrained to the bed and, and um, detached that restraint from the bed and then kind of like slid out of bed and went into the living room, found my shorts and 
got to the front door and the front door was more or less barricaded with like a vacuum cleaner and the container that I was held in and, and you know, the door was locked. And um, so I had to move all of that um, without waking him up because he was on the other side of the wall. Um, and so moved all of that uh, through the door open and just ran and his bedroom window faced um, like out on the front door basically. Mm-hmm. And his bed was right beside the window. And all I could think of is I was like, he's going to wake up and he's going to look out the window and he's going to see me running and he's going to shoot me in the back. As I just kept thinking, I'm going to get shot. Like I was like, but I'm outside. Like I'm outside. Someone will see me and someone will find him. And so I just didn't think about it. And I just ran and I saw a car driving across the parking lot. Um, and I just made a beeline for it. I had tunnel vision and I ran out in front of the car and I had, I had slid one of my hands out of the handcuffs, but the other hand, the handcuff was still dangling. And I held my hand up and I said, I was kidnapped and I showed him my handcuffs and I turned around and I was like from that apartment right there like remember that apartment that I ran out of Mm because my brain was just so full of information I was like I don't know where I am apart all these apartments look exactly the same I was like remember that apartment and they were like okay what do you want us to do uh where do you want to go I was like well take me to the police so I went to the police department um I actually I've forgotten some of the small details and one of the Mm -hmm. things that is almost humorous to me at this point is um, so I got to the police department and the guys just let me walk in by myself. They didn't even like walk <laughs> in with me. <laughs> they were like, like through the process of working on uh, the documentary that I've been working on. They, they were like, no, um, cause they have, I've given them the case file and they've interviewed other people and they were like, um, you actually walked in by yourself. And I was like, they let me walk in by myself. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so I go in and there's a deputy in there, you know, my name's Kara Robinson and I was kidnapped and I escaped. And, um, so that started the process of like my recovery and they, um, you know, found, they called my mom and an investigator and the investigator ended up getting there before my mom. And the investigator was like, okay, well, do you think you could identify the apartment if like Mm -hmm. we went back to the apartment complex? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think I could. I said, you know, the guys that picked me up, I asked them to remember. And he's like, yeah, they don't remember. I was like, okay, cool. You had one job. Um, So we went back to the apartment complex and saw like a a maintenance guy that was riding around on a, a golf cart. And we stopped him and I told him everything that I remembered about the apartment. So, you know, this is the guy, this is what he looks like. This is what kind of car he drives. Uh, I had determined that there was a woman that lived there that had long red hair because I saw long red hair and a hairbrush in the bathroom and, and things like feminine products that were in the bathroom that he wouldn't have if a woman didn't live there. Um, So, you know, there's a woman that lives there. She has long red hair um, they have uh, a guinea pig and hamster and some birds and different things like that. And he was like, yeah, I know exactly what apartment that is. And like, he instantly knew the apartment number. Um, so I had already done my job at that point where I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I've identified this guy. Like you got all the information now. 
Um, so they took me back to the police department and um, my mom was there when I got back. And then I went to the uh, hospital, got my sexual assault exam done. And obviously the guy had run, right? Like, obviously I ran out. He was like, well, I better go now too. Right. So he was on the run for um, about two and a half days before his sister essentially turned him in for, uh, to, for, for the sake of this not being a 20 hour podcast, uh, his sister basically yeah. turned him in and um, police tried to intercept what they were, he and his sister were supposed to be meeting and the police tried to intercept them, but he saw them. And so there was a short police chase, uh, and, which ended in them blowing out his tires. They sent a canine in that bit his arm. And then when the dog go, he shot himself. So, um, he killed himself. And so I was, I was pretty mad when I heard that because I wanted him. I knew that I was his victim of opportunity and convenience. Like he picked me because I was there and I wanted him to look at me in a courtroom and know that I was his biggest mistake that choosing me, I, he thought I was going to be the easy victim, but I wanted him to know that he made a mistake choosing me. Um, so in the days that followed, um, my escape police, obviously they interviewed me, they were going through his apartment. Um, they figured out who he was from the information that I had given them. They were able to identify him. Um, and they started to find things in his apartment that they were like, this is kind of weird. There was like a locked foot locker. Um, and it had Things in it like normal people just wouldn't keep, you know, like clippings about girls that had been murdered in Virginia and newspaper clippings and like a button down shirt and, and like a bath rug and different stuff. And they're like, this looks a little suspicious. Like, let's mm-hmm. look into these cases. And they were unsolved cases from Virginia from five and a half and six years before. Um, so, and it was three girls, uh, Katie and Kristen Lisk and Sophia Silva that were kidnapped broad daylight from a neighborhood. Uh, No one saw anything, no one heard anything. And they never had, they never figured out who did it. They in arrest in one of those cases. And while the guy was in jail, uh, the other girls were kidnapped. And so they were like, well, it obviously wasn't this guy. Um, So they ended up letting him out, but they never really had any leads and turned out they were able to identify some of the items in that footlocker as well as some fingerprints that were inside of his car uh, that matched one of the girls. And so they were able to link all of that information and positively identify him as the person responsible for at least those three murders in Virginia. Um, and so mm-hmm. that kind of set me up on this path and this journey of um, where I am today. It's, uh, I got, I ended up getting a reward for information leading to the identification or capture of those girls in Virginia, there was a task force. And um, so that like put me through college and, you know, paid my bills and helped pay for my first house. And um, then that's how I went on to the career that I went to uh, before I had kids, which I was uh, kind of inundated in this world of law enforcement. The mm-hmm. one of the local sheriffs really treated me like I was just a daughter, like I was an extension of his family. 
And so he's like, do you want a summer job? I was like, sure. And then the, every summer during high school and then during college, like I was working at the sheriff's department and they just became <laughs> this, this beautiful family. And I kind of grew up there. And then when I graduated, I was getting ready to graduate college and I was going to switch my major to early education. And the sheriff was like, well, you know, like you're welcome to do that. He was like, but just know that if you ever want a job here, there will always be a job for you here. And he was like, you could try to be a school resource officer. It kind of marries both of those options. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And then I, you know, I did it and I went to the academy and I was like, wait, I kind of like this. I kind of like this long awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So I worked there for several years until the birth of my oldest child. I, I did. I was a school resource officer. I did. I worked in investigations, investigating sexual assault and child mm. abuse cases. And then I was a victim's advocate. So it's all just kind of been this, this just beauty from the ashes, mm-hmm. uh, gardens from graves kind of situation where um, it's this terrible thing that happened and I would never wish it on anyone, but it has put me exactly where I am today. And, right. um, you know, it makes me who I am. Yeah. There was a quote that you had said that I pulled off one of your interviews and you said, bad things can happen, but it's not the end of the world. We get to choose when something negative happens. Do we let it destroy us or do we let it make us a stronger person? And that's exactly what it is. You took it and now it like all kind of it molded together, it like came together and into this really beautiful creation because now you're, you're helping to save other not just women, but other people like mentally and having them build this strong foundation internally to accept past traumas, accept the things they went through, but that it's not, doesn't define them. It's, it doesn't have to possess them that they are still worthy of living and they're still enough to overcome these things. Um, yeah. yeah I it's mean, just like a testimony. Yeah. Because, you know, I think that we have to be very careful, um, especially if we are, you know, speaking about our trauma, that Mm -hmm. our identity is not found in that. And one of the things that I tend to say quite often when I speak is, you know, whenever you're a victim of a crime or, I mean, even if you're a victim of like narcissistic abuse or someone Mm -hmm. who's bullying you, any of these things, um, that implies that that person took something from you. Mm. And for me, um, you know, if you were a victim of a burglary, like they came into your house and they took your things, right. Or if you're a victim of a car carjacking, or if you know, you're a murder victim, they took your life. Right. So for me, I try to think of it like I'm not a victim. I refuse to let that person take anything else from me. He's not going to take anything from me. It's a bad thing that happened, but now don't, don't get me wrong and make, I don't want it to seem like it's like this easy thing where I'm like, I just decided not to let it. No. Yeah. 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 But, but at the end of the day, like he did this thing and he's not going to have any more power over any other part of my life. So, you know, I, I just choose to take that negative thing and be like, yeah, like that's a bad thing that happened, but now I'm going to reclaim my life. I'm going to take my life into my hands and I'm mm-hmm. going to decide where I go from here. 
because the power doesn't have to lie in anyone else's hands. So that's kind of been my motto, like trying to really, um, and a lot of it is because I am a very, very stubborn person. And I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to let him control me. Like, right. 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 Absolutely not. (laughs) Like I do what I want. So, um, so that's, it's been a journey, but that's kind of been my motto. And my, my big like tagline is I'm not defined. I'm not defined by that thing. Mm. Like it made me who I am. It put me where I am mm. right now, but it doesn't define me. I think you have back in January, you had made a post that said, um, don't get over it, get through it. And that has stuck with me because I look at it and I was reading what you had said and you, you mentioned to, because I guess someone had asked you this and you said, I think the survivors you look at with admiration have one thing in common. We don't get over it. We get through it. Your trauma isn't something to get over. It's something, something to get through something that becomes an intimate and critical part of who you are, part of your success you get through it, you move past, you become stronger because of it. You take back that narrative and you make it yours. You keep going, you get stronger one day at a time. And that's so beautifully put. Um, it kind of, and it like, it's your motto. It's what you stand for. And just that you're continuously advocating for this. Um, you're in a, in a sense, giving people their freedom back. Um, and it's liberating because we don't always tend to see that. And what, like we were talking about before we ever started recording, um, most people that are kidnapped, especially by serial killers, don't get to share their story because they're in a grave somewhere. They're somewhere where no one has any idea. They're another cold case. You know, it's never <clears throat> um, closed. It's kind of just, you know, put off to the side and that's it. I mean, there's no voice for them, but you're giving a voice to the voiceless and you gave the girls in a sense, a voice. Um, and that's, that's beautiful to hold, to carry with you, even though that this happened to you, you're continuously moving forward. And, um, yeah, it just, I'm so fascinated by your story. It's like, wow. Like, yeah, you know, I feel like I was given this, this beautiful gift of, uh, the way that I can talk to you about it is kind of the way that I've always been able to talk about it. Um, which is I dissociated very heavily through my trauma. So I kind of shut down my, my emotions Mm -hmm. and it allows me to speak about it. Like I'm talking about someone else's situation, which a lot of people would look at that and be like, well, that's great. You don't have any like emotional trauma tied to it. And in a sense, I don't, I think I just buried it very, very deep. Um, And it's created some other issues for me along along the lines of, you know, me not being able to feel feelings in general, that I've had to kind of do a lot of recovery, you know, here I am almost 19 years later, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, now I have to, you know, dig up some, some stuff. Um, But I feel like I've been given this gift that um, I actually enjoy speaking to people. Um, I tend to be able to see all perspectives pretty Mm -hmm. well. And I, again, am able to speak to this and I just feel like it would be so selfish if I did not just use this gift that I've been given to help other people. I've always, I've always had this intuition that, um, this was something that happened to me so that I could help other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it looks different every, every, every day and every step of the journey, but 
you know, I think the something that's very unique in the human experience is, is that we all experience bad things at some point in our Mm. life. Like we all experience a trauma and it may not be a capital T trauma, like being kidnapped. Right. But you may, you may experience several lowercase T traumas, you know, less traumatic events that impact your life just as greatly, or maybe even more so than mine. And we all just have things that we have to get through because Mm -hmm. you really can't getting over something insinuates that you're forgetting it. It's like, Mm -hmm. just don't feel those feelings. (laughs) Like just cover those feelings up. Don't feel them. Just get over it and be good, which is just like this other thing that I am really trying to lean into right now is this idea of toxic positivity where it's like yeah. kind of like we were saying before where you're like I'm a little nervous and I was like it's yeah. okay like that yeah. that is an emotion like like feel that that's okay because you know society overvalues the positive emotions like you can only be happy and you can only feel joy and you can you know you can't feel any of these quote negative emotions and mm-hmm. I just feel like that's that's so detrimental to yeah. so many of us to be like, no, you can't feel that, right? Like that's gaslighting. It's <laughs> like, no, right. that's not what you feel. You can't mm. feel that thing. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so, we have a lot of that right now. So in all areas yeah. of life. Yeah. And we, and we do it to ourselves, right? Right. right. We're like, oh no, I can't feel that thing. I was like, yes, you can. Mm. That's okay. Like just feel what you feel. Mm. And, and then you, you process through it, right? Like you get through it. You don't get over it. So um, I think that's just a, a lesson we all need to learn <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how to get through things and just feel our feelings because feelings are not negative or positive. They're just feelings. Yeah. And that brings me to your most current post where you said crossed out good vibes only. Yeah. And you said all vibes welcome. Yeah. And I'm like, how many times? do I come across posts and how many times do I, have I come across a conversation where it's like, Oh, good vibes only positive vibes only. But then in a sense, you're kind of those people that haven't like come to a term, like it's not even about self-acceptance, but are still suffering. They, they might not possess that positive and they're trying to, um, but you're kind of just shoving them to the side and putting them closed in, back in the closet when they're trying to escape that darkness. Right. And when I read that, I was like, we need more of that. Yeah. All vibes welcome. Cause you have yeah. no idea what the other person is going through. You have no idea w- what they're trying to overcome yet. We're just shoving them to the side and saying, well, until you can repair yourself, then you're welcome in our group. Right. Uh, until don't, then, don't take up, don't take up space here. Yes. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And I think, I think that that comes from, I think most people say that well-meaning, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no. which is definitely something that is another kind of platform that I've kind of been on a mission for is, mm-hmm. um, I didn't talk about what happened to me and I still kind of don't to people that don't know, like if people know me through social media, I'm like as open as can be, <laughs> but like, but people in real life, I don't tend to tell them my trauma if they don't already know about it. Hmm. because it's awkward for most people because they're like, I don't know what to say. So I'm Hmm. trying to help educate people on how to respond. So like in toxic positivity really falls into that because we're well-meaning 
And mm-hmm. we want to like encourage people to move towards those, those positive emotions. You know, I mean, how many of us mothers either, you know, experienced a pregnancy loss or have someone close to us who experienced a pregnancy loss. And, you know, you always get these, this is, you know, everyone, I feel like every woman can really relate to this in some way. Yeah. Um, we always get the, you know, oh, but, you know, just be thankful for the children that you already have. Like, they're so <laughs> wonderful. Or, and it, it's well-meaning, right? People, they want you to feel better, right? But they don't hold that space for your feelings. And it can just feel very, um, it's very demeaning mm-hmm. for someone to just be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Like, j- don't feel that feeling. Like, just right. be happy. And it comes from this place of, I think it also you know, it's, it's well-meaning, but I think it comes from a place of insecurity within us where it's like, I don't know how to handle your feelings and it makes me uncomfortable. So let me distract you from them or let me try to make you feel happy. And so, you know, I try to respond to people with like, Hey, that sucks. Like, it's okay to be like, I'm sad. Like, yes, I am thankful for these beautiful children that Mm -hmm. I already have but this really freaking sucks. Like, so I think it's so important to really just hold space for the negative emotions too. And like, because like you said, someone, someone may see that positive vibes only culture and feel like I don't have it together enough to take up space in that room. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't take up space because of what they feel. It's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. And trauma looks different in everyone's life. Like you were saying, and like for my book, both my pregnancies were very traumatic, very traumatic, especially my last one. When I started, I was on the verge of hemorrhaging and they took me to the OR. And my biggest thing was I would always tell people when they would ask, well, how was your, you know, delivery process? How did it go? And I would always end with, well, at least my kids are okay. At least they're healthy, but taking away from my significance, my story and kind of dumbing it down one to maybe make others feel like, you know, that not to be selfish. Yes. And we tend to do that with a lot of our stories and we're really taking away from our emotions, like you said, and it's not good. It's not healthy for us because part of that, those traumas are accepting what happened, but being vocal about it and being okay and not taking away significance. Um, cause it's right. not selfish. It's actually healthy for you to talk about these things. And a part of it is recovery. Um, yeah. and, and it's, it feels good. Like if that weight, once you accept and you talk about it in a way like of acceptance, it kind of just feels like heal, like you're healed, yeah. like you're healed. Like I'm more open to talk about my, like right. my pregnancies or my traumatic events in my life. And like, I'm okay about it rather than like dumbing it down or like, Oh, but it's okay. Like someone else had it worse because someone else always has it worse. Right. There's always a comparison game. right? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, but how much more empowering, you know, is Mm -hmm. it if you experience that traumatic birth and somebody's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. Like, how are you feeling about that? Like, that's so much more powerful than for somebody to be like, but you have a healthy baby. So Mm. all is yeah. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) But no, I also have yeah. another thing <laughs> like right. kind of, that I mean, and, you know, I feel like the mental health 
like scenario is so different because nobody would look at you if you had a broken finger, right? Like Mm. if you had a broken pinky and you had a broken femur, nobody would look at you and be like, well, at least your, your other 10 fingers are working or your other Mm -hmm. nine fingers are working, right? right? Like they wouldn't look at you and be like, if you had a broken femur, well, at least you have that other leg. Like Mm. people aren't going to, they wouldn't do that in any other scenario. Right. Like if it was a, you know, if, God forbid you had cancer, somebody wouldn't be like, well, at least you had a good life. (laughs) You know, like we don't, we don't hold space for these, these emotional traumas as well. And I just, I really just have this crazy big dream and mission that we can change how we talk about trauma and, you know, do for trauma, what we have done for all of these other areas, Mm. um, you know, whether it's race relations, um, uh, sex, uh, sexual orientation, um, you know, all these other things that we've changed the language and we've really changed how we handle these things. Like, what if we could do that for like trauma? Like, yeah. Wouldn't that be so crazy? I, It'd be amazing. That's my dream. <laughs> That's my goal. But. Yeah. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it, girlfriend. And you know, it's people like you that don't stop that are doing the hard work that, you know, are making a difference. Um, Maybe it doesn't seem like, oh my gosh, like I changed the whole world, but it starts a domino effect. Doesn't just in two seconds, it doesn't just change. It's like one trickles in the other and then the other, and and you're doing it every single day and don't stop what you're doing. You're making a difference um, in so many lives. And I love reading your posts. They're always from the heart. They're always, I give like when I'm reading it, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, I feel like you're always like preaching to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, I kind how of did I not, yeah. How did I not see this from this angle? Um, yeah. or, Oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. Um, and I'm more than positive that people that come around your, on your, that land on your social media pages, feel the same way. Um, you have this impact and not just because of your backstory, but because you're so transparent and you're so vulnerable and, um, your message, like you, you don't stop. You just keep going you keep going you give us something else. And I'm like, how does she think of that? Like that? Yeah. I but keep you're... a note on my phone <laughs> and you're right with... a note on my phone <laughs> and, I, and like things come up. I'm like, Oh yeah, I need to post about that later. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> mental health, if we could just advocate for that more and traumas and everything that plays a part in this mental health picture, rather than just giving continuously giving people um, these medications and allowing these pharmaceutical companies to get rich off our pockets. Yeah. It's just, I know the last year, if it taught us anything is that, there's more people right now suffering than ever before. Um, and we don't talk about it much, but staying at home, the restrictions that was traumatic for a lot of people. So I mean, and, and, I couldn't imagine. Could you imagine your first year of like having your first child? Mm-hmm. If you would have had your first child during COVID no. in 2020, like no. how isolating and how, scary and how difficult that must be. Like I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just, 
that I just think of stuff like that, or, you know, like children trying to navigate their way in the world and they can't like see people's facial expressions or like, Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids are homeschooled, um, but they normally have lots of homeschool activities and everything just got shut down. So like they have, they have suffered socially. So like, (sighs) I'm just, I'm glad to see that, you know, things seem to be returning to normal, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of ramifications that I think we'll feel from, from the isolation and the, I think the good thing, the big positive that's come out of it though, is just like the advances and and Mm. technology and how much people really are so much more comfortable to do Zooms or to, you know, do anything and like be on social media. And I feel like, um, people were on social media more. And so it gave more of a platform Mm -hmm. for people to be authentic. It's like, I can only be what I can be. (laughs) So, um, so I feel like there's definitely some positives that have come out of it, but, but yeah, I agree with all of those things. That's why I said (laughs) big mental health, health, fitness advocate. Like it's just, it's all this beautiful puzzle that fits together. So, yeah. Yeah. So going back to trauma, and I know you're a public speaker. So when people come to you and, you know, they, I'm sure they seek your advice or your help. Um, what kind what things do you normally tell them or in repairing those traumas or really accepting what they went through? Um, yeah. What, what things do you normally, what, what, what would you normally tell them or, you know? Um, yeah. I get I get across the spectrum of people that are, you know, related or in a relationship with someone who is experiencing or has just experienced Mm -hmm. trauma to people who are currently experiencing trauma. And I think that it's so um, like we already said, like trauma and the reactions to trauma are so highly individualized that um, I don't feel qualified to give people advice necessarily, Mm -hmm. because I think that for me, um, my path through my trauma was very unique. I never like went to counseling directly for my trauma and people are like, Oh, you must've gone to so much counseling. And I'm like, like that's, that's fantastic for so many people, but I tend to like really just dig through stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I, I tried counseling and for me that wasn't, but for some people uh, that's, detrimental if they don't do counseling. Right. So I think the biggest advice that I give people is like, just really accept where you are, like, Mm -hmm. and find someone that can understand where you are and who can talk with you through that. You know, um, one of the most powerful life-changing things that I ever did that really kind of relit this spark in me to go and be a public speaker and to help other people is I sat down with six other women who were also kidnapped and talked to them. And I was like, I'd never had that experience to sit down and talk to someone who genuinely understood mm. the things that I went through. So the first time I experienced this is I sat down with Elizabeth smart and, you know, we were talking about how I had not told most, I had not talked to most of the people at the sheriff's department Um, about what happened to me. And most of those, that was the agency that worked my case, but a lot of them weren't there at the time. And so she's like, and you never told anybody for years, like, why, why are you talking about it now? 
And I was like, well, you know, Elizabeth, I said, there's this look that people get when they hear about your story. I'm like, you know the look? And she's like, I know the look. But other people who had not experienced what I experienced and what she experienced, they might not know the look. And so that was like the beginning of something. And then I sat down on this couch with these six other amazing survivors. And we all talked about what we had experienced and the common threads. And it was healing in a way that I didn't know. And I just thought, wow, I am so lucky and so privileged that I got to do this really big healing thing. I want everyone to experience this, but everyone's not going to get to experience this. So what can I do to bring this space and this acceptance and this just this experience of someone seeing your soul? Like, how can I help as many people as possible feel that? Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, let me figure it out. I'll try one step at a time. So, um, you know, social media, that was, that, I was like, this, this is all I got. <laughs> like, and so, cause you can't, I mean, I can't get out in front of people in any other way. So, right. so that kind of was a, a big healing experience. Um, so, you know, I, tr- I try to tell people like, find someone who sees in you what you've gone through. Um, and really for, and this is kind of, this is kind of what I tell people that have been through a trauma, as well as people who are trying to support someone with the trauma um, along the same lines is what can you do to take your power back? So um, we don't, we don't necessarily think of the small steps that can be taking your power back. Um, I, I had a sexual assault examiner nurse message me once and she said, what are your thoughts about when people come in and they're there to get an exam done and they don't want to get the exam done? She was like, because I know if they walk out that door, there goes the evidence and probably their prosecution. Like they're probably never going to be able to successfully prosecute that case. Mm-hmm. If they leave, she was like, how do I delicately handle this? And I was like, well, you have to understand that you literally cannot do like, if you want to protect their mental health, you cannot do anything that is going to make them feel like they have to get that kit done. So, because this is the very first step that they have in taking their power back, like their body has just been, you know, abused and taken advantage of. And if they don't feel the power to say, no, I don't want this done. Like that's not, that's not your place to try to make them feel like they have to. So, and that's just like a small example of, you know, how we can be well-meaning, right? Because we're looking at the future, but in the moment that can be a very detrimental and like re-victimizing thing. So um, I try to tell people to just do things that remind you of who you are, remind you of your strength. That's a, that's been a big one for me. So I I found you through, through street parking. And so, um, So like, that's been a big one for me that I didn't quite realize um, Mm -hmm. that it was so healing was like, especially Olympic, Olympic lifting. I'm like, Oh, I'm strong. Like, (laughs) not really, but, but for me, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm getting stronger. Like, so like do things to remind you of how strong you are, whatever that looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that can be really impactful and you can feel the effects of that long-term because I think you know, I think therapy and finding the right therapy can be good, but 
therapy is very, um, it's brain work, right? Like you have Mm. to, you have to do the brain work to get through that. Like you have to actively do the mental lifting. Um, but I like the things that kind of work in the background, uh, without you having to think so much about it. So like exercise kind of works in the background, like it builds those endorphins, like you remind yourself of like these hard things that I, I can get through and you don't really have to, it's not an active thought process. Um, Another thing I really, really love that has like long lasting and pretty quick effects is gratitude journaling. It's something that takes you two minutes, right? To just write down, like, maybe you write today, I'm thankful for coffee and I'm thankful for oxygen and sunshine, right? And it slowly starts to rewire your brain so that you don't feel so bad. And so that you can, I feel like a lot of the time when we're, when we're in the middle of that deep, dark night and we're in our darkest struggles, you can't, you know, if you're in the middle of a storm, you can't see the sun. If somebody tells you it's up there, you'd be like, okay, cool. But I can't, I can't mm-hmm. see it. Um, so you need to do things that are going to kind of clear the path a little bit and let you see the way. And those are the things that I think are really easy to implement steps that have profound effects in my opinion and experience. Taking our power back is one of those big things that we don't necessarily, I feel like we, sometimes we feel like we have to do like this outrageous thing or like this grand gesture. Yes. The spiritual awakening when it's really just little baby steps. Mm -hmm. Um, A child doesn't learn to walk overnight. Um, He or she, you know, gradually, you know, and then all of a sudden they get the hang of it. Same thing when it comes to rewiring our subconscious. Um, It's like baby steps uh, and one thing at a time and implementing those things every single day. And it's amazing what habits can do in transforming your whole entire life. Like these little habits every single day amount to this like brand mountain of beauty, like, but we just always expect this overnight pill or this, like, like you said, span gesture, and it's going to be amazing. Um, when really it's it's just itty itty bitty, like the smallest things being thankful for coffee, it's just getting used to your brain, like, you know, just rewiring it one step at a time and just giving it that, Hey, it's, it's okay to be grateful for the little things. And the little things are really the things that play a bit big impact in your life. If you didn't have the coffee today, then how would you feel? Would you be tired? (laughs) Would you be crabby? How would you treat those around you? Uh, The little, little small things. Um, So, so I love that. I love, I really think journaling too is just good for the brain. Um, You're writing it down. You're visually seeing it. And, you know, I try to tell everybody like journal, write, um, sticky note, (laughs) whatever you feel comfortable in doing. Um, that really is, uh, it's so good for you. It's, it's healthy. Um, so my next question for you is what does, I normally ask everybody, but what does self-acceptance, you know, or self-love mean to you, especially at this point in your life and this point, at this point in your personal journey and everything you've been through? I think for me, like self-acceptance and self-love really looks like just owning the space 
where you are. Like I can see people and I can be like, oh, I'm inspired by that person. And I think it's okay to be inspired by other people, um, but not to your own detriment because I can only be who I am. I can't be Desiree. I can't be anyone else, right? I can only be me. And so I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be allowed to be inspired by other people, mm-hmm. but I really just can only start where I am and I can only be who I am. So for me, that's, it just always circles back around to just, you just do you. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's best for Desiree. I don't know what's best for my neighbors. I don't know what's best for anyone except me. And some days I don't know what's best for me either right? Like some days I'm paddling around in the dark and I don't know, but I think that's, that's what it looks like. And that's what it feels like to me. And it, and it seems like such a simple thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but we do it, we do it to ourselves all the time. Right. Absolutely. And really just knowing that you can, you can do better and you can be better. But again, it's like eating that elephant. Like you can only do it one bite at a time. So how Mm -hmm. can you be the best version of who you are today? And you, and also just like owning up and understanding, like you're going to mess up. You're going to have days where you're going to, you're going to screw the pooch. Like you're not going to do great, <laughs> Yeah. but, but you just wake up and you do it again and you try to do better tomorrow. Like yeah. that's what just it looks like. It feels like to me. Yeah. You literally just keep going. I, I find myself saying that all the time. So I'm like, like I, there was this, um, you know, I, I was like maybe 18 the first time I mm-hmm. heard the, like, okay, if you fall down eight times, you just get up nine. And to me, that's so empowering because it's like, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down, just mm-hmm. as long as you get up one more time, just right. as long as you just keep going, you're going to be further than, right? Like, yeah. so that always, I think of the, who was the Greek mythology that was like rolling the stone up the hill and then it'd like fall back down. Mm. Like, like you're like rolling it and then like falls back down yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm just going to keep rolling it. Right. So you just got to keep, just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like, I feel like it's always the simplest phrases too. Yeah. Like you got this, keep going, don't give up. And we tend to like read past them. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time, but really it's not supposed, again, it's not supposed to be like, tricky. Um, it's the, it's the smallest things. Keep going. You got this. Um, cause really life is messy. Um, and, and it, it's not supposed to be perfect. If it was, then we would all be identical. Uh, I would be living your life and you would be living mine and how boring would that be? Right. And also like, if your life was perfect, would Mm. you appreciate it? If you never had, if you never had a hard day in your life, Mm. would you appreciate the good days? Yeah. You know, like how do you appreciate the mountaintop if you've never been in the valley? I love that. You can't, right. You can't, you can't think about that mountaintop and be like, wow, I was in that valley and look at how different it looks from here. Mm -hmm. Look how small it looks. Right. Um, you just, you can't appreciate how good you're doing until you've had some bad moments. And I think, I think universally, the people that we tend to look up to the most are the people that have been through the biggest Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, 
yeah, I mean, we can fall into that comparison trap, like we mentioned before, where it's like, oh, but my thing wasn't as bad as that thing, but Mm -hmm. it was your thing. And if you're inspired by them overcoming, why don't you think you can do the same thing? Why don't you think that you can also overcome that thing? You can Mm -hmm. get over that mountain. So, um, yeah, I just, I think it's just so important to remember that like, the same thing that's in me, like it's in you, it's in everyone that's yes, yes, it's all in us. Um, And I think this really was crystallized to me, you'll you'll get a kick out of this story. When I was in the academy, we, we had this guy, the the criminal justice academy, we had this guy that came and spoke to us. And he was shot like point blank range with a 22 in the face. And he was outside of radio communications, like he couldn't get his radio communicate to communications and he had to walk a mile to get radio signal and he played they played like his tape of him calling into dispatch and he's like I was shot and this is what the guy looked like this is where I am he gave his exact he was like very very calm right this is what he was wearing this is the direction that he went um this is where I'm at like I'm gonna need somebody to get out here and I just listened to it and I was like holy crap like if I was shot in the head, would I be able to do that? I was like, or would I just like lay down and be like, well, this is it. Right. And then, <laughs> right. It, and then I literally felt like I got hit upside of the head with a brick as I'm sitting there thinking like, I don't know if I could do that. I was like, Hey, you've already basically done that. It's like, we mm. see, we see these things that other people do. And we're like, Whoa, could I do mm-hmm. that? And he's like, you can, because inside all of us is this will to survive mm-hmm. and this will to overcome like human nature is not to lay down and accept what happens to you. And it's like, dig into that, dig into that nature of like, no, I don't have to accept this. Like I can, I can be stronger because of this hard thing. So I just, I always think about that when I think of this comparison trap that we can all fall into Mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I I even did that. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. You can do that too. Yeah. Because that's the human will. Human will is to survive. Yeah. We're, I, and, you know, I talk about this to my husband all the time because we tend to not really understand as humans that we're still, our minds are still programmed at a survival. Like we're Absolutely. not, our minds are not advanced, advancing as fast <laughs> as technology. Right. So we're still thinking in the survival days, like, you know, main, main, um, caveman, like oh, yeah. we're still, that's how we adapt. Right. And we, I was talking about the comparison and, and being so judgmental as humans. And like, I was, I was like, okay, there has to be more to understanding the human brain as to why we function this way. If I walk into the grocery store and I tend to be judgmental first thing, if I see somebody out of the ordinary, um, And it's because the way our minds are structured, we judge because our instinct is really, we feel threatened. So we think, you know, back in the day when we were cavemen, we think kill that person is out to hurt us. Um, So we, if we, we need to to, like uncover these things, it's not so much like, oh, judge because I don't like that person or first thing. So now I tend to say, okay, so what's wrong with that person that makes me feel this way? You know, are they like, do they look different in a way that I feel threatened by? And it's normally really comes down to I'm judging because I am threatened. It's a me problem. But again, it's 
the way we are, the, the way our mind is structured, the brain, it's literally going back to the days where we were survival and it really just plays a part in who we are today. But if we can break down those barriers and really have a deeper understanding, I think we would be less judgmental and less um, comparing like the comparison game, because it really is. It's just, it's human nature. But if we can ask those questions, like, why do I feel that way towards that person? Or why am I comparing myself when my story is just, uh, I've been through traumas. I've been through things that um, I've overcome that is not less significant. Um, yeah. Because we, like you said, like, it's not that your story, your story is your story. My story is my story, but it's not that yours is better than mine. And I think we tend to do that a lot. And you're right. Like, oh, if she overcame that, oh my God, would I be able to overcome it? But in a sense, you already overcome your obstacles, your hurdles in life. If you haven't already, well, maybe later down the road, but you have, and I tell this to everybody, I'm like, they're like, oh, how do you, how are you so vulnerable? And I'm sure you get it too. Like, how are you so transparent? How did you overcome your traumas? You have the same inner strength. We're all human beings. Our minds, our brains process the exact same. Um, it's just, you have to dig deep. You have to find that willpower um, and stop questioning if you could do it because you absolutely have the power to do it. Um, if you want to go show your loose skin and stripes, take it off, take off the shirt, show it, right. take a photo, it. shake yeah. it, dance to the music, whatever, just do it. Um, yeah. And it's really like the Nike phrase, just do it. It's really that simple. Um, but I think that we're intimidated sometimes when we see somebody else doing, we're just like, I don't know if I can, I could do that. Yeah. Um, I don't have that strength, but you do. We all possess it. We just have to be it's kind of like just like stripping off our own, you know, um, like our false like, personas. Yes. Like our yes. Yeah. yeah. Our cost. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just let it shine. There's yeah. we're all, we we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And I tell everybody this, I'm like, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Really. You're in control of your freedom. Um, you have free will. So if you feel like going and shaking it for the gram, do whatever makes you happy. Um, yeah. And, and okay, I, I think, there, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I think it's, I think it's just so beautiful because <clears throat> what I've found is the more we see people do that, the <clears throat> more we feel comfortable because vulnerability inspires vulnerability, yes. right? So like people like you being out there and being vulnerable, people like me being out there and being vulnerable, like the me of even just three years ago, uh, three years ago, I would tell people, I don't really have feelings. My husband travels out of the country two thirds of the year. And mm-hmm. he does like paramilitary type work and people would be like, do you, don't you worry about him just nonstop while he's gone? And I'm like, worry, what does that feel like? I don't know what that emotion feels like because I did not feel feelings. Right. Yeah. And so for me, if you would have told me three years ago, I would post a photo on my very public Instagram page of me crying. I would be like, Hey, wrong. No. <laughs> Because I had told myself, because I had wrapped up so much of my identity Mm. and being strong that, and I had also told myself that uh, crying was a weakness. Mm. And so for me, that was something I had to overcome and really kind of sit with a lot and determine that crying doesn't mean I'm weak. And, and I was inspired by other friends and other people who were being vulnerable in public spaces 
And I was like, it's okay to be vulnerable because vulnerability inspired me. And so, you know, the more people like you and I are out here, like showing our vulnerable moments, the more people will see that and they'll share theirs. And like you said, it's a domino effect. It's that snowball rolling down a hill, right? Like it's yes. just going to gather steam and gather steam until everybody's like, yeah, this is who I am. So what? Yeah. And it's just, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, there's nothing more beautiful in the world to me than seeing people being their authentic self. Like yeah. it, like it, sat, it, it makes me so sad when I come across somebody and you know, they just, they feel uncomfortable in their own skin because I'm like, I've been there. I know what that feels like, but it's okay to be who you are. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You don't need to, you don't even need to go through this major traumatic experience. If you've only been through, you know, whatever life has given you, it's okay. You don't need to move mountains to inspire people. You could just be yourself. Um, people love it. If yeah. you you want to show your messy house every day, your mom yeah. life, like show right. it. Like there's people out there that are going to be, oh my gosh, me too. Like you had yeah. your me too feel, um, feeling when you, in your massive healing, when you sat around other women who were survivors too, it's a me too movement. We just want to be able to say, oh my gosh, me too. And then it's right. like the doors of vulnerability just open. There's like the shining light. Cause it really is. It's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like this is happening. Um, I mean, and that's for me, like I said, I think that that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give people when they're going through something is like, find people who see in you, your soul and what you're going through. Because you, when someone else speaks to who you are and speaks the words that you're feeling or you're thinking, there is something so healing and powerful in that. For somebody, like you said, to be like, me too. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's just, it allows you to take up space and, mm-hmm. and kind of be who you are when you, you know, I, I have a friend and we were talking recently and she was like, yeah, you know, I, I got really upset with my husband and with my family the other day because, you know, I'm always just picking up after everybody. And, and she has four kids and she was like, and I want to be treated like a princess. She was like, this is like really like sounds kind of conceited for me to say she was like but like I work really hard and I want them to appreciate me and I want them to treat me like a princess and I was like we all feel like that I was like I'm pretty sure I definitely have plenty of moments where I'm like well my husband better appreciate all this stuff I do (laughs) like he better treat me like a princess yes he better take me somewhere awesome because we've been married for 10 years I've been Mm. putting up with all this stuff right I'm like and then, and she was so afraid that she was going to get judged. And, and we all looked at her. We were like, no, we all feel the same thing. Like, yes. and she's like, oh, like that was just so healing for her. Something mm. that she had been beating herself up. Right. About. And she was like, oh, everybody feels that. And she was like, oh, it's okay. So it's like something so powerful for somebody to see those things that you think of as a wound or a fault or a failure and be like, no, no, that's, that's a normal thing for you to experience. Right. Like right. we all feel that. Uh, so it's, it's very powerful and healing. So yeah. keep inspiring vulnerability. Keep doing it because other people are seeing it, right? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I see that too. So, yeah. Um, so you have some big things in the works um, yeah. and I'm excited for you. If you want to share, um, it would be my honor for you to share, but 
yeah, like so excited for what your journey has already, you know, what you've already been through in this healing process, but you know, you shining your light to others. Um, and now you're at this point where you're going to move even more mountains. And if you're comfortable sharing with us, um, I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. You know, for me, like I said, I, I wanted to get in front of as many people as I could and help as many women as I, as I'm physically able to help, um, just be seen and be heard and, uh, let, let them know that what they're experiencing is not unique. And so I had, I had this mission for a very long time. I was afraid to kind of speak it into existence. I think it'd be very intimidating to speak your dreams out loud. Like you can Mm. kind of think them in the back Mm -hmm. of your brain and then you're like, that might be too big. So my like dream is I would love to have like a TV show where I'm just like sitting down and talking about these things and the human experience. And I was like, that might be really big. And I'm like, okay, but how would I even get there? And I was like, well, I think the first step of the journey is people need to know who I am and why they want to, why would they even care about what I have to say? And so my first step is I was like, I need to tell my story and I've done it in various places. Um, but I've never really done it in a way that I had a high amount of control over the finished product. And I've never really done it in a way that it was something that I was proud to stand behind that I could point people to. Um, and so I had met Elizabeth smart and I realized like, this is this thing that I want to do. I want to be a public speaker. I want to write a book. I want to write two books. I want to have a TV show. I was like, but first I need to have a documentary. I need to tell my story. So I reached out to Elizabeth and said, I want to do this thing. And she was like, okay, you need to go with this company that I worked with. Um, she's, she's like, I'll be an executive producer. So in the fall, there will be a documentary, a two hour special. We don't, the, we don't have the official title yet. It will be on yeah. oxygen. It will be on a streaming service and it will be on the oxygen network, a two hour documentary that's executive produced by Elizabeth and myself and some other amazing people. Um, I've been working on this project. I've put my heart and soul into it for the past two years. I've um, done a lot of the contact making and um, highly involved in all of the things and my hand has been all over it. Um, I cannot wait to see what it turns out like. It's everything that I've seen from these producers and this crew, they're just phenomenal and it's being done with such tact and it's being done brilliantly and beautifully. And I just, I mean, for the first time ever, I'm like, I can't wait to see it. Like normally I don't watch things that I do. I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to watch myself. Um, but, but I'm like, I can't wait to see it. It's uh, so that's a documentary that walks everyone through. It's, it's a little different than a lot of um, true crime documentaries where mm-hmm. um, I guess most of them people are like, okay. And then this happened, but, and they're kind of like looking back on it. Um, yeah. This takes you from like that person's perspective in the moment and walks you through the story mm-hmm. And so we have people interviewed from all different um, parts of the story. So we have like the deputy that was, that was there whenever I was interviewed or whenever I came into the police station, we have the sheriff and we have like the investigator that showed up and, and took me back to the, the apartment complex. And we, we have all of these people that are very close to, um, to the story that are really working together to tell this collaborative story kind of minute by minute as it happened and pulling in 
you know, newspaper articles and news, um, like TV reels and, and photos and everything to really create this beautiful minute by minute picture of what happened. Um, and I just, I cannot wait to see it. I think it's going to be so wonderful. I can't wait. I'm super excited when, when you told me, well, when I read your post, I was like, Oh yeah. my gosh. Like and people have been asking this me for so amazing. long. <laughs> yeah. People have been like, where do we watch it? When do we watch it? And I'm like, I can't tell you until they put out the press release. And so they just put out the press release this uh-huh. past week and we already had this scheduled. I was like, Hey, perfect timing. Yeah. So we don't, we don't have a solid date yet. They're still trying to figure out where they're going to put it in like the lineups and everything, but it should be in the fall. I think we're looking at around September and I will obviously keep all of the things updated as I know more. And as I'm able to say more. So yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. And not like, Thank you for sharing your story with all of us Um, and, you know, being so uh, like, how can I say this? Not being afraid um, and giving a voice to all of us um, because traumas don't define you, like you said, um, and they shouldn't. And I want to take the space and the time Sorry, I want to take the space and the time to also say thank you for the way that you worded that, because I think so often when people tell us their hard things, we tend Mm -hmm. to say, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And this has kind of been a sticking point for me. And instead, your response was, thank you for sharing that with me. And I think that is the absolute perfect response when somebody shares a hard thing with you is just say, thank you. Because Because if you share your trauma or you share something that's hard, you don't want someone to feel sorry for you usually, right. because that's, that's not empowering. You're mm-hmm. supposed to say, thank you. Thank you for feeling safe enough with me mm-hmm. in this space to share that with me. Like, yeah. I, I just want to say thank you to you for responding in that way, because that's such a powerful healing way to respond to someone sharing something strong. I love that you said that because, well, I'm glad that I responded the way that <laughs> made, you know, that's healing. Yeah. And I, I, on one of my last podcasts, I spoke to a friend who, when we were, we were younger, um, I knew her family for years and, um, I just never liked her cause she was always so angry. You know, you're in high school and you're like, well, she's just mean. Like she always looks so mean. Uh, what is her problem? Right. And I was like, well, her cousins, like, I love them. They're great. Like her sister's great. And I was like, I don't understand. Um, maybe she just, the group, she was always hung around. You know, I, I was like, well, that's probably why, because way different from the people I hung around. I was like straight A student. And I was like, oh no, no, no. Like, and now hearing her story and her leaving my house that night, I, she texted me and she's like, I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for telling me. I under like now I understand. Like, yeah. thank you for sharing your story, but also now I get it. And it was, she's like, all I wanted ever somebody was to tell me now I understand, um, why you were the way you were. Um, yeah. and really we just want, we just want someone to understand us. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, I'm so sorry that not, I'm so sorry, but this is why you were like this. Yeah. Um, and, but thank you for taking the time to share it with me. And now I understand yeah. and it's okay. Um, and it was kind of like a healing moment for her. And I was like, it's, it's amazing what 
words can do and the changes of words, because even from my personal experiences, I don't, it bothers me when I have to tell somebody, I'm so sorry you went through that. Cause I know that's not what they want to hear. And my dad has always told me that he like, anytime we have a family friend, like, and you know, and the family like pass away or family pass away, like a family member pass away. He's like, people don't want to hear. I'm sorry for your loss all the time. He's like, right. Because he lost both his parents, my grandparents. And he's like, it's the worst thing when somebody calls and like goes on this rant and like, sorry. And you know, blah, 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 blah. He's like, all I want to hear is comfort. Like if there's anything I could do or phrasing differently to find like, yes, like relating instead of, cause we, we do tend to say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, and I mean, I even, yeah, I, we, I even we, find just, myself like mm-hmm. people, people will reach out and share their stories and, and, and usually it's on my phone. So I'm like, I'm, yeah. so, I'm like, no, like that's mm-hmm. not how you, like even mm-hmm. myself, like I even find myself falling back into that, like, because that's what we hear, right? Like yeah. you, that's what you say. And, right. but it becomes very just routine and it, in those words almost don't mean anything Yeah. whenever you hear it over and over. And I just you know, I think words can, words can create injury mm. life. And it's like, yeah. we choose our words, like saying, I'm sorry to someone like, is that building them up? Is that creating life? Is that, is that creating like a driving factor and something good for them? It's yeah. like, and I think this is an important lesson on social media, especially because people will just be quick to be like, leave a comment where I'm like, why did you waste yes. the space and the time? Like, why did you take your time mm-hmm. to leave something that just like, it's, it doesn't do anything for anyone. Um, right. So I think that just being, just taking a second to just think before you respond and like, how can I, build this situation and bring life into this, this mm-hmm. scenario. And, um, and a lot of the time you might not know what that, what the right thing is, but, um, there's, you know, always more and more people that are willing to share their experiences. And like, these are the things that are powerful and that were helpful to me. Um, yeah. and, and I think that we can just one day at a time, we could just, yeah. we could just keep going and, you know, we'll change, we'll change, we'll change it all. We'll change the world. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like too, when we choose different words, we give that person an opportunity to open up because you see that when, when we tend to say, I'm sorry, they're like, Oh, thank you. But when we word it a different way, they're like, I'll get like paragraphs. And I love to read them because it just makes me feel like it's a safe place. And it's like, all they wanted was a moment for someone to understand them. And now it's part of their healing of just getting it out there, getting it out. Like, well, she's going to read it. So she now sees it um, because she gave me that, that one minute of her time where she responded and she, you know, gave me that opening. And now that right. person feels a certain way. And really, like you said, like, I always chuckle about it. Cause I'm like one day at a time, you guys, like just one yeah. day, like we just have to leave this earth better than we found it. And we just can't stop because when we inspire another, we inspire another. And really, if we could just inspire even the newer generations to just be themselves and be vulnerable and stop. I filters are great. I use them too. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So sometimes stop, necessary. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but you know, don't, you don't have to change 
yourself. Yeah. Um, really just um, be yourself. It's so much easier. It takes less energy. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But you're also inspiring someone else to be themselves. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. But going back to your documentary, I'm so excited for you. I am, yeah. but um, excited that you are sharing with all of us this journey, this that took place and a lot of different emotions and triggers and trauma. And it's just wrapped up and you get to just bring it to life and mm-hmm. taking the time to share with all of us. And now I feel like that's going to draw people in giving this bigger platform for you, but also for other people um, to just feel like they're a part of this journey that you're on and really bring their journey to light too. Um, to be okay with whatever they're going through in life or experiencing or have experienced. So super excited for you. Um, I think this is really going to inspire so many. So um, I hope it hasn't already. Yeah. And I've, I've tried to, you know, I've made, I've made some beautiful new friends and I include you as a brand new friend. Um, I've, I've made so many friends through this process and, you know, I've, I've talked to people and met friends that, are on their own trauma journeys and um, have taught me things uh, that I hope to share through the process as well. Like, you know, there's this really big um, vulnerability hangover. I don't know if you've had like a really big, really vulnerable moment and experienced a vulnerability hangover, but this is not something that I would have even known existed if it weren't for having friends that are also in this same sphere Mm. of, you know, when the documentary comes out and I start, or like when we're getting closer to it and I start doing press um, or, you know, even after this, like I'm probably going to be tired the rest of the day. Like I might not work out tomorrow and I have to give myself the space and the grace because um, it affects you physically whenever you are very vulnerable. Um, And so that's something that I hope to also kind of document through the process is what it really looks like to be vulnerable and how, that can affect you in ways that you don't expect, which has been a very, a very big learning process for me because I tend to be one of those people that's like really <laughs> intense where I'm like, yeah. Oh, if I'm not going to do like two workouts, then I should do no workouts or like, mm. <laughs> like, like I'm not going to buy a soft bristled toothbrush. Right. Because it's going to be right. played out. Like mm. I just tend to be like a really like intense person. Yeah. And for me to like dial it, pull it back a little bit, it's been like this big learning process of being like, you know, like street parking. I'm like, it's okay if I do shift for a year. It's mm. okay if I've been yes. doing program A and yeah. if I have to do shift for a year. It's just, it's, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> like it's right, okay. Right. Yeah. Like, so, um, you know, I, I hope that I am also um, able to share those experiences through the journey so that other people can see that and kind of what it looks like. Yeah. And you, you had said, give yourself the space and grace to rest. Now I was like, Oh, I remember yeah. she wrote about that. And I was like, yeah, like, um, it's so hard. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, that's funny. You said about street parking because I was doing my own programming for bodybuilding for the last year. And then just recently I was like, you know what? There's a lot going on in my (laughs) life currently. It's okay just to do program a it's okay just to do program B it's okay to do shift. It's okay to do butts and guts. It's okay just to do one instead of like all (laughs) these videos, like you're a mom, you don't always have time or you're a wife or you're, um, 
self-employed, like it's okay. And like right. to like, if I'm not going to do this, then I can't, then I'm not still going to do anything. I'm not going to do endurance, but it's rewiring. And it's like, sometimes I just got, I'm a little too much we're, sometimes too, we're but on our, we're on our <laughs> yeah. own journeys too, right? Yes. Like, we're like, okay, I need to like, I, I used to have this Bring problem, it back. like, yeah, like my kids would go and like spend the night with their grandparents or whatever. I'd be like, okay, what do I need to get done? Mm. I need to do this and this and this and then, and it took me a while to be like, what if I just sat and watched like keeping up with the Kardashians? Like, what if mm. I just sat and watched TV and like yeah. painted my fingernails? Like, what if? And I was like, no, like I never get to do all these things. I need right. to do as many. And so it's been a journey for me too, to be like, you could just sit, like you mm. could just exist and it, yeah. it's okay. Like you don't yeah. have to always be doing, like give yourself the space and the grace yeah. to be like, my body really needs this right now. Right. And like, again, it's just accepting where you are. Right. Like, mm. and, and back to, you know, you talking about like evolutionarily, like if, we were in a famine, right? And we were super stressed about all of these big things that were going on. Like we would, our body would literally shut down. It's like an evolutionary thing that Mm -hmm. if we are under all of this stress, like we don't need to go out and, you know, do these intense activities as well, because it's just too much. (laughs) Like you can only handle so much. So. Yeah, no, it's true. You just got (laughs) to, Bring it back. Time. I know my mom. Just yeah, <laughs> dim it down. My mom's always like, you know, it's okay to rest. She'll call me. She's like, are you resting today? And I'm like, <laughs> I promise I'll make time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll schedule my rest time. Yeah, it's just like, and it's funny because sometimes I'm always like, I can't be the only one. And you saying it right now, I'm just sitting here. It's like it's healing too. Like. Her too. See, yeah. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like I, I think of those things. Like the other day, I did finally sit down and I watched the on Netflix the Selena. I was like, oh, my sister's like, you got to make time for yourself. She's like, just watch it. And like, I finally watched the whole thing. And I was like, I don't even remember the last time I binge watched a show. Right. And uh, it was just nice just to sit there, even though my mind's like going hundred miles yeah. per hour. I was like, you need to shut it off, right. <laughs> shut just it off, put away your phone exist. for a second. Yeah, yes. For a while. I know. I know that's, it has been, it's definitely been a struggle for me. I mean, like, I remember back before I had kids, like I was a school resource officer and I'd get out of school at like three o'clock and then I would go to the gym and I would be at this, like, you know, leading up to getting married. I'd be at the gym for like three hours. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. what was I doing for like, <laughs> For three hours and I didn't have the distraction of like my, I can make a yeah. workout that takes, you know, like 30 minutes, take two hours now because I have mm-hmm. to like kiss boo-boos and break up fights. And yeah, but like what I was doing like two spin classes a day. Sometimes I'm like what was wrong with me? I was like, I was just really <laughs> intense. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't have anything else to do with my time. I guess. Yeah. Was like channel it all into this one little area. Yeah. <sighs> <clears throat> So, um, is there anything else you'd like to share, um, with us? Cause I feel like you have so much to say, you have such a big voice, um, but anything that else that you feel like it's on your heart that you want to leave this podcast with, you know, one of the last things you get to say. I think just the biggest thing is the things that we really have circled back around to It's just, you know, you can only be who you are. You can Mm -hmm. only be where you are. 
And don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of what other people think about you because honestly, what other people think about you, it's none of your business. It doesn't matter. It's none of your business. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'm like, maybe I, I've been, that one's been on my notes app, you know, mm. it's been on my notes app, like to put as a quote. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, that one might, that one might be a harsh one for other people to hear, but, but yeah, just be who you are and nobody else is you. That's your superpower. Like nobody else is you mm-hmm. and just do you. Yeah. So when people are trying to look for you on social media, cause I know you also have a TikTok, and yeah. that's really big it, in the last year. Um, yeah. If you want to give us a little bit of details on the TikTok, cause I feel like people are like, what, what, what does she yeah. mean big? Um, yeah. Cause I know Buzzfeed had did an interview um, and yeah. then your TikTok was one of those things to like explode, but it yeah. did. I, um, when I was thinking about, you know, building, uh, like a, 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 I say a following, but just trying yeah. to build influence in the <laughs> world so that I could do what I wanted to do. Um, at the time I was like, well, like there's Instagram, but how do you differentiate yourself on Instagram? It's like yelling into the grand Canyon. Like nobody's going to hear you just cause it's, yeah. there's just, it's such a big space. Um, and then TikTok came out and I was like, oh, I'll do a video on TikTok. And I followed a couple of trends and I had a couple of videos go pretty viral, like millions of views. Um, and then I kind of like live blogged through the anniversary of my kidnapping. Like this is what was happening at this time and really gained quite a few followers over there and, um, and really was putting a lot of uh, content out over there. And then yeah. um, I had my favorite murderer did a podcast where they featured my story and between those two things, yeah, between those two things, I ended up with like a pretty decent sized Instagram following. And so most of my content that I put out is on Instagram mm-hmm. um, because it's a little bit easier with their algorithms to get in front of people. Um, and TikTok just, TikTok doesn't like it when you talk about anything that might be remotely comfort, um, confrontation, not confrontation, right. controversial. Yes. They don't like it. So yes. um, me talking about having been kidnapped I had a ton of my videos like removed and they Mm -hmm. completely like, they don't push my content out to like even people that follow me anymore. So um, I'm not putting a lot of heart there (laughs) because people aren't seeing it. Um, And I have to set my boundaries and I only have so much time in the day. (laughs) So, um, so I am on TikTok. Um, I do put content (laughs) over there. It's not as often, but I am able to be reached over there. Um, and I'm on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. I don't really put much on Facebook either. Um, I do have a, a feed where I put like my inspirational stuff and then I have my day-to-day stuff and usually my stories on my Instagram. And so, um, TikTok and Instagram are both at Kara Robinson Chamberlain. So that's my handle in both of those spaces. And I have a website, which is CaraRobinsonChamberlain.com. Check out her website. I promise you check it out. You guys like, yes, if you want to know her at a deeper level too, I feel like it's all there. I mean, you obviously heard her story here firsthand. Um, and in a, if it didn't give you goosebumps, cause it gave me, and I'm sitting here and, you know, somebody like myself who was so fascinated in the world of criminal justice and forensics and, um, serial killers, like just hearing your story, I'm like, people have to understand that not everybody gets to have this voice. And I'm like, so when you're talking about 
whenever my parents let me watch Silence of the Lambs, that's when it really all started for me. I thought I was going to be a Clarice. Yeah. But so to, to see, to hear yours. And I'm just like, this is like a dream come true kind of, because I was like, I've always been fascinated. That was like what I wanted to do uh, before I had kids. I met my husband who was the reason why I didn't do my whole, like I didn't continue down that path. And I really thought I was never going to get married in the first place. Cause you know, <laughs> I wanted to live in an apartment by myself and do all that, yeah. but yeah, but to hear it's like so exciting for me um, in regards to excitement because you you're a survivor like that is like if people can wrap their mind around that like at any point in your story things could have turned and it played out the way it was supposed to and I feel like too like you your intuition at such a young age really led you down that path when it came to law enforcement like it comes natural to you and I could see why you continued with that um so that just hearing that that's that's amazing because not everybody um, not designed, but is born that way. Like you like to really listen and to really just become one with yourself and to channel that, uh, at, especially at such a young age is just, um, a phenomenal testimony and like just hearing it firsthand and you saying yes to being on this podcast. And I was telling my mom, I was like, yeah, she's pretty much like, like, um, this phenomenal person. I was like, yeah, I guess I could say like, I officially have like somebody famous and she's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, mom, like, seriously, like you, you, you're going to have to watch this, but too, it's your story is just like, so inspirational. Like what 15 year olds would be able to do things. I know we talk about, we all possess it inside, but who would be able to channel that at that exact moment in time like the way like you were grasping information the way you broke it down um it's like you're telling it sounds like a movie is what it sounds like um but it's absolutely phenomenal and I'm just so blown away that you took the time to be on here and talk and just really using your platform um every single day to just uh move mountains um so I thank you for that for being a voice to everybody um but yeah, so <laughs> absolutely. I, you know, I love what you're doing and I knew I wanted to be a part of what you're doing because you're moving mountains and this is the, the type of space and place that I want to be able to share my story. And um, like I said, it's all about taking back that, that power and taking back my story and taking ownership of it, which is something that I'm really big about right now. And I yeah. want to share my story in the way and the spaces that I'm able to. And without sounding cliche, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, that very often there are reasons why things happen. Um, And I think for me, like, this is something that happened to me. And I think the reason that I was able to escape and the reason that I was able to handle it so well is so that I could be Mm -hmm. someone that would go out into the world and help other people. I just mean, from the time that I was 15, I looked at it and I was like, this is going to change somebody one day. Like my story is going to change someone's life someday. And I've been blessed enough that I have already played pivotal parts in many people's journeys and stories. And it just feels, it's it's just so rewarding when people are like, you helped me get out of this situation. Like you gave me 
the power and the strength to do this. And, um, and it's really what keeps me, keeps me sharing every day because I definitely have days where I'm like, I don't want to do it today. I'm tired. <laughs> I, like my kids are being pains in my butt and my husband's not here and I don't want to <laughs> do it. And those are the days that I come on Instagram and I'm like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, like, just want you guys to know I'm having a really crappy day. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, again, there's like that toxic positivity culture and there's that like, just, you know, I'm not happy all the time. Like yeah. I am not always winning. Um, so thank you for having the space where, you know, vulnerability is encouraged and being who you are is encouraged. And, you know, thank you for giving me the opportunity and the space to be here. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm more than positive that even on the days that you don't want to show your post, someone needed to read it. There was somebody yeah. or there's people waiting. Like, when is she going to post? Because it's keeping them going. It's keeping yeah. them, you know, moving in their journey and moving forward and finding comfort and finding grace within themselves. So don't stop. I'm, I'm telling you what you're doing is just the beginning. And I could see it and, and don't ever stop. But I always ask everybody as <laughs> the last question. And I, some people are like, how can you tell me ahead of time? Cause I oh, catch no. them off guard, <laughs> but it really isn't, it really isn't that even big of a question. I guess for some people it is, but is there any quote, um, that you would love or like to end with that is your favorite or some quote that has kept you going in life? Um, I think, I think recently it's been the one that I just mentioned where it's like what other people think of you is none of your business. Cause that, that one's been a hard one for me to wrap my head around. I'm like, it doesn't matter what other people think. Like, it doesn't matter. That's not who I am. So I know maybe it's cheating cause I already talked about it, but that's the one that yeah. I heard someone else say that recently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's not like, it really doesn't matter. It's not my business. What anybody else thinks of me. Yeah. And that was just like, so freeing to me to be like, it doesn't matter. Right. So that that's, that's mine. I love that. For now. Love that. That's what, love- that's the one of the day. <laughs> that's a good quote though. I mean, everybody it, it should is. like, why, why is it any of your business? Like, is it going to change the way you feel about yourself? Yeah. Is it going to change your day-to-day activities? Like people are always going to have an opinion about you and it's none of your business. Yep. So just go on with your life. Just do you. Amen. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I'll add the link to your website and your IG, um, and your, really your social media platforms um, at the bottom of the synopsis. But thank you again. Thank you guys for tuning in each week and listening. I really appreciate and love each and every one of you. Um, but before I let you guys all go, because I am going to chat with her after this, um, I just want to say thank you. And I hope you guys take the time to not only follow, but read through her post. Um, they're not just like motivational. It's inspiring. You could t- tell that she takes the time and every word, every sentence it does. It, it is moving mountains. And it's, if you could just, write it down if you need to, because I'm telling you like there's days where I'm just like, Ugh. and then you're, it might not seem like it, but you're one of those people that I could go reflect back on. And I'm like, I needed that post. So like, I've even saved a few. I'm like, okay, I need to reread that. Like, what does she really mean? Like, what does this really mean to me? How is this going to play a part in my life? What? So 
if you haven't already give her a follow again, I'll add all her details at the bottom of this um, episode in the synopsis, but thank you guys for tuning in every week. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the self-love effect podcast. I hope everyone tunes in in the fall and gets to watch your movie and your documentary and uh, be a part of that, be a part of, you know, all that hard work you've put into, um, to make your platform even bigger. Um, so, um, may you continue doing what you're doing and just, you know, blessings coming your way. Um, so yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys again. Let me drop you guys some discount codes before you leave, before I end this, I should say. Um, Head on over to Born Primitive, get yourself some new active wear. You can use um, the direct link in my bio on IG or under the synopsis in this as well. The direct link will save you at checkout. It automatically hooks up to your cart. So you could... Also head on over to Maven Threads, the headbands, and save using self-love effect. And then if you don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar, head on over to Goalie and get yourself some apple cider gummies you can use at Lincoln's underscore treasures. And last but not least, head on over to One and Done, save your grip, stop tearing, and you can use discount code treasures10. Thank you guys again. Um, This podcast episode was exceptional. I absolutely loved it. I'm so thankful again for you to be on here, taking the time out of your busy schedule and just sharing with all of us your story. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, Have a good week. Bye. Love you guys.